You there? Uh, yep. Just rethinking yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, once it flows, it'll flow, but I'm just trying to get the beginning. Um, yeah, just just right. go, just just roll with it, brother. You got it. All right, we're going in one take here. All right, welcome everyone to the first ever actual episode of NGU Radio. That's Never Give Up Radio for those just tuning in for the first episode. Um, I'm hoping that some of you got the chance to kind of go through the first couple introduction uh, episodes that Albie and I released of just kind of our own stories, but. Other than that, we're kind of jumping in straight into what we want to do with this radio station. And um, I guess to introduce myself, my name is Liam Cavanaugh, as I said, and I'm in the studio alongside Albie Daly. I would love to say it's an actual studio, but right now he's still in Albany, New York, and I am stuck in Pittsburgh. So we're doing this through conference for the first one. Welcome aboard, Albie. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm super psyched to be here, Liam. Um, feels like it's something we've been discussing for geez I guess two or three years now is uh trying to use our experiences you know together and and as athletes and and coaches and in your management positions you've been involved in to um to help attack this stigma and the only thing that's gone wrong so far is is you mispronouncing the name of my hometown it's actually it's Albany not Albany it's, it's the but, Canadian um, in me you know yeah you know I, I won't hold it against you but in the future we'll stick to Albany and um you know, I'm sure some of the boys at UMass will like that yeah, one. That's, that's all right. I'll stick. You guys make fun of me for everything anyway. So, all right, let's let's <laughs> let's jump right into it. Um, I know we got a couple things on the agenda today. Uh, we don't want to use this as kind of a repeat episode for those of you that did get the chance to actually listen to the introduction. So, I'm not going to tell my whole story again. I don't want to be repetitive. Uh, but I think Albin are just going to kind of chat about how the introduction when I met him and the transitions of what actually made my downfall turn into a uprising and allow myself to change. And I think kind of relating back to the story when I was at such a low in my life and what I thought was such a low and going two, three days in bed crying over, I don't know what it was and just so lost in my own thoughts and, and meeting Albie and the transition that actually perspired from that was tremendous. And it was little things that, you know, I, I never picked up as, taking care of my mental health and making this a priority in my life. And I think Albie's introduction, I mean, he's pretty low key when he talks about himself, but the guy's one of the most successful people I know, and he's going to be one of the best doctors I know. And the roles that he played, to put this in perspective for those of you listening, I mean, he had so many things on the go when he was at UMass. He was a captain of the team. He's involved in so many things around the community. He's speaking at events. He's volunteering at other things. He's leading a team to a national championship, and he's a 4.0 student. So picture all of this going on, and then some kid comes to him like, dude, I'm so messed up right now. I don't know what's going on. And it's like he puts everything else aside and, and puts me first. And I don't think that was necessarily the, the case. I think he was still managing everything. But what he did for me basically changed my life and motivated me to, you know what? I shared my story, and I noticed it started to help other people. And through Albie sharing his story with me and start to show me what helped him, it made my life so much better. And now it's it's motivating me to want to change others. And I think Albie, correct me if I'm wrong, but that might have been some motivation for you to to start to attack the stigma that I was suffering from. 
Yeah, I think I think undoubtedly, um, you know, you're going through your own struggles at times as an athlete. I mean, for me, it was I went through a, a really bad knee injury um, when I was a junior hockey player. I tore my my ACL meniscus, you know, six games into my first junior season. I was an 18 year old kid, um, you know, living alone by my you know by myself out out in North Andover, Mass, and uh, it was really difficult for me and. I struggled. I went into kind of a downward spiral for for a few months. I um, was fortunate to have a really good support system, you know, with my parents and and, and a couple of my friends who I was lucky to live with at the time. But um, you know, for me, that was the darkest moment I I had ever been in as an athlete or, or as an individual. So, you know, I, I learned through my experience some techniques for dealing with you know diversions from reality that would go into my head and, and, and really, and I think this is something that, you know, ultimately I taught you and, um, maybe indirectly or directly, I don't really know, but you know, it was just that we have to realize that sometimes our thoughts, like they are really just thoughts right? and, 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 and kind of like breaking it down that they're not always reality. Um, that was something that I developed as an 18 year old and it helped me mature as a, as a person really quickly. And, after that experience, when I learned that, okay, you know what, these are my thoughts, I can control them, um, rather than thinking that everything was reality, you know, that led to me just feeling really mentally strong going into, you know, the, re- the rest of my life and being able to take on challenges. And, and when you talk about, you know, my schedule in college and stuff, there were times in college where undoubtedly I felt like, you know, this is too much, you know, maybe I'm taking too much on, but in those moments, I turned back to the methods I developed, the mindfulness methods. You know, I did things like meditation and yoga a lot of times by myself in, the, in those moments. And those things would help me, um, you know, really just come full circle and realize, you know what, you're okay. You can take on as much as you feel um, that you can handle. And, you know, I never took on anything that I, I couldn't handle. And I think that was part, part of what, you know, ultimately made my college experience relatively successful was that. I took on things that I felt mentally capable of doing. And I think sometimes with student athletes, it's very easy to take on too much. You know, it's very easy to take on too much too soon. And it's funny, we were just talking about this before the show. I was just reading an article from Bowdoin, uh, Bowdoin University, Bowdoin College, um, obviously a tremendous school. And, and some of the words that student athletes used to describe mental health issues that they see on campus were things like chaos underappreciation, um, distracted at times, you know, from, from academics. And, um, I think that's a really easy thing to fall into. And it gets back to your point, Liam, that you let things spiral out of control. Right. And then it's sometimes not until you meet someone or you talk to someone about their experience that you realize, okay, wow, you know, this isn't just me that experiences these feelings. Mm -hmm. These, a lot of people go through this and, there shouldn't be a stigma associated with it. Yeah, and I think that's that's kind of the hardest thing for me was going through this, and, and I know I said it before, but everything surrounding my life almost seemed, it wasn't a fairy tale, but a lot of things, it seemed like all of my friends, everyone around me, the people I worked with, everyone was so successful, and I felt like no one else could have possibly been feeling this. Everything going on in my head, it, it's got to be just me, and when I hit absolutely right. And I think, I think that's the issue though, oh, right? Yeah, and like totally. that, that is like, I, for those who don't know Liam well, that are going to be listening to the show. I met Liam a year before, you know, the first time I met Liam, 
all I heard about was, you know, this guy started a clothing company back home. Uh, he comes from a really successful family. He's had a really good athletic career. He, you I, know, yeah, I don't know um, if it was that good. I mean, I, I think I peaked in high school athletics. So. Well, you know, but, 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 but still, you know, you were successful in what you did and, and you came from a really good family and you were a respectable kid. And it seemed like from even my perspective, I never would have imagined mm-hmm. that you would gone through a mental health struggle. And like, and that that's not on me because you know obviously at the time all I knew was about your success and um, I think sometimes you know it happens to the people that you least expect it to. Like no one would expect that I went through times in college where where I right. doubted myself absolutely or I I sat at home some nights very upset about things that had happened in my day and and had to come up with strategies to fix that. But it did happen, and I'm open to admit yeah. that. You know, it's not doesn't make me feel weak, and I think that's part of the issue here. Is oh, I, I have feelings, I get upset, so I'm weak because I'm a student athlete, or I'm an athlete, or I'm a business owner, or I'm a doctor, or I'm a lawyer. No, you get upset because you're human. Yeah, <laughs> we're we've we have evolved literally evolutionarily to have feelings, to have universal feelings that come. You know, some people have has to have different reactions to emotions. That's fine, but. Um, for me, you know, I either got angry, sad, or I got excited. And there were times when I had mixtures of all three and I had to develop strategies to deal with that. And I'm not saying I was clinically depressed. You know, I, I think the moment I first got a call from you that day, you know, it was obviously much different and much worse than my situation, Mm -hmm. battling some universal emotions, but the understanding that you can use, you know, your own motivation to get through these times was ultimately, I feel, what helped you. Right. And while we're on that topic, I know using these trigger words like depression and anxiety and, and OCD, all these these big words and medical terms that we're using, I, I shouldn't say those are big words, but sometimes for me they seem a little big. I wouldn't uh, class it. Like juxta, juxtaposition's a big word. Uh, I don't... <laughs> anyways, long story short, like use, using these medical terms um, to describe these things, it's not something that, we don't want people listening to the show that it's, oh, I suffer from depression or I suffer from anxiety. And it's, we're, we're not using this podcast to voice our opinion on this stuff, to right. talk to people with just yeah. that. We're talking about not mental illness, but we're talking about mental health and how important of it it is in professional athletes all the way down to five, six-year-olds. And I know that's something we're going to touch on and, and youth um, mental mindset is developing the brain, but that's what one thing we want to point out. You know, we want parents involved. We want kids involved. We still want professional athletes involved that understand that what we're talking about. You don't have to have depression. You don't have to have anxiety. We're talking about developing your brain into something stronger to be able to uh, tunnel your thoughts into what they need to be tunneled into and kind of straying away from that dark tunnel that some people are led down. And sometimes it's it's tough to get down into that tunnel, and it's almost like it's closing off. And for me, I felt like there was no light at the end of the tunnel, and um, once someone was sitting in front of me and basically telling me, you have a choice and sometimes you don't see it. And I didn't, I thought I always wanted to make a difference, but I just felt like I didn't know how. And, you know, after going through different exercises and different daily routines with Albie, it, it kind of changed my perspective on, you know what, maybe I never really focused on mm. my mind being an asset and, you know, eating the right, yeah, I thought I was healthy. I've never been overweight. And for those of you who know me, I'm a stick at best. I still got my chicken legs going on, but no, that's for sure. <laughs> I'll do some squats maybe later, but, yeah. um, you know, 
the first day we walked into Whole Foods and you were kind of focused on changing my diet and, you know, we're going to have a show on this and I think we'll probably have a, a nutritionist on here that we have scheduled and talking about the mindfulness in food, but I never took food as something that would change how I like emotionally feel as weird as that sounds the connection between your emotions and your food is dramatic and I remember that first day oh it's crazy yeah yeah, yeah. I, I I can recall that day like it was yesterday but um it's a it's a very 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 close link thing right what we eat and how we feel and there's a ton of ton of research out there on you know, foods that make make us feel more anxious, foods that might lead us down, feelings of depression. And if you're already, you had, I think it's important to know with Liam too. And I'm glad you brought up the the medical thing earlier because this show is not about diagnosing mental illnesses, and this show is not going to help you do so. If you think you're suffering, and and you have feelings of depression, anxiety, OCD, anything like that, you need to see a medical professional. And that's you know that's really the the basis of it. This show is about attacking the stigma associated with mental and health and bridging that communication um, though we, we want to be able right, to encourage br- people to seek that no absolutely but I, I i think it is important to know that there's a big difference between mental illness and, and clinical you know uh, clinical depression for example for clinical anxiety and you know suffering from some mental health issues right. and I think mental health is something that you can practice every single day, whether you're upset or you're happy. Mm-hmm. And that's another big thing. And I think that's where, for me, the food comes in. Is like, you know, I used to tell you all the time, what, what was the one food I told you to no, eat? No, it was the first day we walked into Whole Foods and I'm sitting there and you're, all right, get a cart, follow me. We're going to do my normal routine in Whole Foods. And we walk up to the avocados and you're like, do you eat avocados? Mm-hmm. Nope. Well, you do now. And it was almost it was almost like every food we went to, it's like these superfoods. And I'm like, dude, I don't know about this. I've and I, I mean I, I always ate pretty hot. It wasn't like I was eating McDonald's and stuff, but I just never paid attention to what foods can actually like produce different serotonin levels and what chemically has reactions yeah. in your body. And it, it's a huge Well, I mean you gotta understand your body runs off what you put in right. it, right? Like you're not it's not just like, oh, you know, feed it whatever and it'll continue to function optimally. Yeah. And I, that's another issue I think student athletes face is you're 17 years old, you graduate high school, you know, it's different for hockey players sometimes because juniors, sometimes you come in and you're 20, 21, mm. 22, 24, 27, whatever, <laughs> you name it. But um, I think for a 17-year-old kid, you leave home, mom and dad have been cooking for you your entire life, maybe you've eaten really healthy meals, but you get to school and you start going to the calf for all your meals and... You don't have a lot of healthy options at times. Maybe you do. You know, some big time schools. I'm sure there's there's great you know produce and stuff like that. But it's more expensive sometimes. A yeah, lot exactly. of the time. So you have to you have to deal with what you can handle both financially and and um, you know what's offered to you. But it's easy to get in a habit of okay, I'm going to get pizza for dinner. I'll get a burger for lunch, um, and then all of a sudden, if you do have a biochemical imbalance. Now you're not replacing with good nutrients that might help prevent something like that, right? Like yeah. you're not getting those leafy greens. You're not getting high quality protein and lean meats. Like, and again, we're going to talk about this in later episodes, and I'm sure Q. Um, oh come on, you're spilling you know, beans on, on our guests already. Well, you know we gotta we gotta say who's who's coming. Q is a little bit we, under the radar, though. I guess if you just say Q, no one really knows who that is. Yeah, so. well, the, the UMass guy. Yeah. But um, anyways, when we get him on, I think he'll be able to talk about. You know, just the importance 
and I think he's a big component too. Like, you don't have to be a hundred percent clean all the time when you're eating. Right. And I think you realize that too. Once you started to feel better, you can you can eat some things that aren't necessarily great for you at times. And it's all about moderation. But when you are having those feelings of anxiety and depression sneak back into your life, you know, rather than saying, "Oh, I need to up my dose on my meds." Maybe it's time to just change up your diet or maybe it's time to go exercise a little bit more, take a run, get some endorphins flowing, you know, exercise is a miracle drug. So I mean, I, I think your, your combination of exercise and diet, I know we're going to talk about this in, a, in another episode, but to pin this back to a part of my story that I didn't even tell in the introduction session, but this year things were going great. You know, I get this new job. I'm living in Pittsburgh now. I'm working at the division one level and I'm, I'm super excited to be somewhere new and, um, getting down here and not knowing anyone. It's almost like starting over. My friends are now a bit older, you know, they're all in the working environment. I don't associate with my players like I did at UMass. So I'm not going out with them. And obviously on the women's side, it's a little bit different. So definitely can't associate with them. Um, and you're trying to develop a respect between you and the players. And now I'm trying to be this professional, figure and you're the director of hockey operations so the year's going great but i'm not eating kind of the exact same strict schedule that i'm at i was happy with work but i'm working all the time so it was kind of falling back to where i was before and i'm getting caught up in work now but i think that because i'm not thinking i'm all right and we had a fantastic year this year i i can't say enough about the girls that that played for us this year and we ended up going to our conference championship and heartbreak struck and we lost to Mercyhurst but the year ended and we get home and I get back to my house and I feel like I hit a wall again and I this is when I kind of gotten back in touch with Albie and I said dude like you know I, I'm in a dark place again and I don't know what it is you know I'm, I'm out of my routine I'm not eating the same I'm getting up I'm, I'm getting sick and um, I remember calling my parents like I don't like I don't know what the hell I'm supposed to do again I, I feel like I developed so much over the last two years and I felt like it just, it was a mat taken under the rug for me and now I'm at ground zero again. And when I called Albie, he's like, dude, you're fine. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. You know, I'm like, Albie, I'm, I'm struggling right now. Like I'm ready to give up again. He's like, think, think about how much you learned. You're just not putting it into place. And that's where I was lacking my, as much as I knew it was important for me to eat, I was allowing my thoughts to take over my brain. And it's it's solely... That goes back, and it goes back to... And I'm so glad you brought that up too, because now we can we can talk to our listeners a little bit about how this is a, a daily approach, right? Yeah. Like, you went through the season, okay, great, I'm busy, and when we're busy, that's the easiest time to break stride. That's the so easiest easy. time to grab a burger. Easiest time to grab a burger at McDonald's. It's easiest time to just... You know, go to Chipotle, get a burrito. I'm not saying Chipotle is the worst thing in the world, but uh, the, I'm saying the U.S. boys are going to crush you for saying you can't go to Chipper. Well, but I'm not saying you can't go to Chipper, but I'm saying when you're in a routine where you're getting, you know, a lot of nutrients every day, you're used to eating a certain way, you're exercising, and you're feeling good to optimize, you know, your own well-being. All of a sudden, now you get busy, and this is what happened to you this year, in my opinion. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, no, but I think you're right. You got you got so busy with the season. And you were fully invested in that. And that's great. That is awesome for someone, you know, who has battled some mental health issues at times of boredom in the past. I think a lot of times that was your trigger. Mm -hmm. So you keep yourself busy and that's awesome. That's therapeutic for you. That's terrific. But at the same time, you got so busy that you neglected food, you neglected lifestyle, you stopped working out. 
all things that you have proved in the past to be very, very protective over you having a relapse. So, you know, I, I think it's a good message to send to other student athletes is like, because things do, I, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, things get so chaotic that, you know, and I remember times like even in my own life, oh, Sunday, do I really want to make six chicken breasts and sweet potatoes and have broccoli for the week? You know, do I really want to make 24 eggs to have for breakfast so I don't, because I had to study. But I knew for me, the moment I stopped eating right are the moments I started having, you know, I started getting angry at teammates mm -hmm. more. I couldn't do my job as a leader as well. I felt like in class I, did, I wasn't as focused. I didn't have the energy. So, yeah, it is important. And I, I think student athletes need to realize if you're going to take on, and, and being an athlete, and you can speak to this too, Liam, but being an athlete really is, is a huge opportunity. And it's not something that everyone has in life. Mm -hmm. I mean, think of how many kids we've played with in our lives that wanted to be collegiate athletes so badly um, or be a part of collegiate athletics so badly but never got that opportunity. So it really is a big opportunity. If you're going to take that on, though, you need to develop some habits, you know, that, that really help you optimize your day-to-day -day function um, because that's when, you know, when things get too busy, that's when we see a lot of the, the symptoms arise where, oh, okay. I'm so busy and, and now I'm stressed because I have a game. Well, now maybe I'm failing out of school. Now maybe I'm, I'm suspended for the semester and all of a sudden nobody's hearing about this guy anymore because he, he can't play and, and he's drinking too much and, yeah. and he turns to other things for relief. And that's a little bit about what this show is about too. It's, it's you know, make mental awareness and, and mindfulness part of your day-to-day -day lifestyle yeah. because we're going to mention this and – you know, we're going to have guests that mention this too. There aren't a ton of resources for student athletes out there. There really aren't. Yeah. And that makes it more important for you to take on the challenge. Okay, I need to optimize my mental health, my physical health, and then the other things will play out how they do. But worry about yourself in life because at the end of the day, it's you and then that guy or girl in the mirror. And um, I'm not here to motivate everybody, but at the same time, it's so vital to take care of the whole self. Yeah. And then attack everything you want to do day to day, right? Rather than let's attack everything we have to do. Then I'll worry about food and I'll worry about my well-being later. Yeah. You know, after after I had seven beers, I'll come home and and, and worry about that when I fall asleep. And but I just, I think it it's all about the maintenance too. You know, for me, it's so easy to, you know, one day after we kind of get things going. And I, I was told, I don't I don't remember who told me this, but twenty one days builds a habit. And I'm like, you know, that's it's easy to go two or three days and be motivated about something or I'm going to make that team. Hell yeah, I'm going to train my butt off for the next two or three days. And then you hit one day, it's, uh, you know what, I'll take today off, but I'll go the next day. And your one day turns into two days. And, you know, I had the opportunity to speak at Robert Morris uh, to their student athletes um, just about my own experience sitting down with um, So telling my story to them. And the more and more I started to speak <laughs> and listen to myself, I'm realizing as I'm talking that mental health is not a linear process. You know, it doesn't go from down to the top. It's up and down. It's up and down. And it's how you maintain that. You don't just reverse it in one. Yeah, you don't, it, it, you don't it's just not a one day one process day. that yeah. you get to flip up. And for me, I thought I was at the peak. And for some reason, because I'm there, I felt like, okay, I don't really need to maintain this. I don't need medication. I don't need all these healthy power foods, whatever. I'm busy. So I'm fine. I'm happy. And then you know, I'm not maintaining this 
at the pace that I need to be so that when things fall apart, my body and my mental state wasn't ready to handle that. And that's what a lot of athletes, you know, you get into the off season, you kind of get out of your routines and it's, how are you professionally taking care of your mental state and how are you going to be ready for when not, not necessarily, you know, for the student athletes, it's easy to say when you come back to campus, you get back into training camp, but even for those in the work world, you know, how do you get, get up on a Monday morning and go to work? How do you, how do you show up at your goalie camp and be like, you know, I'm ready to go today. And how do you take your bad days and be like, you know what? It wasn't a good day, but I did this good, you know, find that reason to smile at the end of the day or find that reason why you're going to get up and be like, you know what? I'm going to do this today. And when I do that, I'm going to feel like I accomplished something. No, that's a good, it's a, that's a really good point because I think when I read, you know, you know, I'm a reader as you know. Um, but you do, you do read enough reading the, for both of us, I think. <laughs> when I do read, when I do read on, on articles, you know, that have to do with mental health and mental stig, mental health, uh, stigma within, you know, athletics at the collegiate professional youth levels. One thing I come across in the talking about therapeutic techniques is just positive thinking. And I find that so interesting, right? Like we, sometimes it's very difficult to control your thoughts. And especially when you're in a downward spiral, I think when I first met you in, in, in your, at your low point, you had zero control of your thoughts. Oh, zero. I mean, I, I mean like I, I've always had control of my thoughts. I'm open about that. You know, even in my worst times, I felt like I could control what went in and out of my head. Um, and I'm fortunate in that, but a lot of this research shows that even just thinking positively about your day, you know, say you have a really stressful day, you're going to cut, you're, you're on your way to campus, you have a physics test, you have practice and workouts, you have a meeting, um, you know, throw a couple other things in there. You got to call your parents, you maybe you're meeting mom or dad for lunch, whatever. You're really stressed because you're a lot you want to get done. If you go into that day just thinking, oh, I'm so stressed, I have to do this, this and that. Chances are the day is probably not going to go as well mm-hmm. than if you go into that day saying, you know what, as soon as I'm done with this physics test, I got that out of the way and now I can focus on really enjoying my, my lunch with my mom and then I'll go to the meeting, I'll have a good practice, I'll come home and, and, and reboot and relax. You know, do you just, it's just the mindfulness to be able to have a positive outlook on the day can really help limit your feelings of anxiety, for example, or you know, you feeling down on yourself and it has big implications on your physical health too. And I think that's something that you've experienced. I know I've experienced it when I go into stressful times, it's trying to think positively, but I think when you're an athlete in particular and you get so busy, it is difficult to have that look on life at times. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. And I think on the flip side of that, it's so easy for me to look back now and be like, well, you know, I should have done this or I should have done that. But when I think about the state that I was actually in, it was nearly impossible. So for those of you listening that are like, well, what the hell? I've tried to do that. Or, you know, I, well, it's not that easy. You know, I've, I've literally been in your shoes and I know what that feels like. And for me, sometimes listening to that, I would be like, well, no, like what happened good today? Or you start to fill out these journal logs of you, you fill out what's good. And it's easy for me to look at my life and be like, you know what, things were going pretty good around me. My, my friends are great people. They're open, the support staff I have, but there's something, I just can't smile. And when I do smile, I know that it's not real or I'm getting sick even though I know that I need to eat this food and for some reason my stomach is just turning and I have this feeling. And that's where, I mean, clinically, I knew that something was wrong. And Yeah, and that's a, it's a good, 
that's a good time right there, you know, for me to interject and just say, if that is occurring, right, like, that is a sign that you have a clinical issue. Right. This is, that's not just our day-to-day maintenance of mental health. And I think for you, that was the moment where I was like, you know, Liam, we're, we are going to change a lot of your lifestyle. Like, and I'm going to help you do that as, as your friend and somebody, you know, you respect as a mentor. But at the same time, let's go get the clinical help you need first. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and that's so important for student athletes to know because, you know, we've heard all the horror stories. And I, frankly, I'm tired of hearing the bad stories in, in college sports and, and oh, it's awful. even high school athletics about student athletes who get to a, a tipping point and they have, you know, the point of no return, yeah. um, for lack of a better term. But when you do get to that point where you feel like you don't have any control over your emotions, it's not time to just say, you know, let's battle through it because that's the athlete mentality, right? Like, and I think that's part of the stigma associated with this is I've always had the the mindset and you have the mindset and I I guarantee if we polled every college athlete in America most of them if not all of them would have the mindset that you know what when times are tough you battle through and and there's times when you do battle through maybe it's a minor injury but you break your ankle and you're going upstairs to Ed and you're saying no I'm fine I'm getting through this but you knew that you had to get treatment you knew you had to walk around in a boot but then when you start to have these issues in our mind we think that because you can't see it, you know what, I'm going to try to fix it ourselves. And that's not always the answer. With mental health and mental preparation, yes, absolutely. There's techniques to overcome that stuff. And if we can bridge the communication to, to know when you need to seek professional help or, you know, talk to a friend and what are these triggers of, you know, maybe I should be seeking medical, medical attention or, you know what, maybe I should just talk to my trainer about this. And I think... It, it's going to be interesting. I know when we have we have a couple of college trainers and doctors on board that are going to come on the show, and it's going to be interesting to hear their point of view of how often this stuff is actually coming up, what they see as triggers, when they really feel like they can talk to someone. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree with that. Too. Yeah, and it will be interesting. I'm, I'm pumped to have some of our guests come on and, and really speak to the issue more in depth because obviously you and I have only seen it from a few different perspectives. Um, I heard an interesting quote when I was, or I read an interesting quote, um, and it was, okay, you rolled your ankle. And this is talk. It was an athlete talking, mm-hmm. and he was talking about his view on the stigma associated with mental health. And he said, okay, you rolled your ankle. Your team better, better damn sure know that you rolled your ankle because if you go out and you don't perform for an ankle injury, it's like, what the hell? What the hell's wrong with you, man? Why didn't you just tell us you had an ankle injury? We could have rested you up. We could have replaced you for this game. You could have rest, you know took the time off, got treatment, and you'd be all set for next week. Right. If you're depressed, no, 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 keep it to yourself. Because that is just the stigma that we've gotten to associated with mental health. You know, okay, your ankle's hurt, we need to know about it. We need to know about it right away. But you're depressed, keep it to yourself, you know, figure it out on your own. And that's not how this should be. It's not, especially in a team setting, right? You should be able to, there should be systems in place. Yeah. Coaches should be trained. Like, go to your coach. Let your coach know because I guarantee the last thing a coach wants is to have an athlete or an employee or someone that they care about and love and nurture as a coach come to them and say, hey, coach, I'm at the tipping point. Right. So I I think one point to make on that and the hardest point for some athletes is obviously, you know, this whole first episode we're talking about attacking the stigma and you're still in a tough place when you're a player though because as soon as you come out with that, you know, and Albie, you can attest to this, but when you're in the college world, yes, you play for a team, but when you have 30 guys in your team and 
you're constantly battling to be in that lineup. You don't want to be sitting in the stands and watching your team play. And yes, everyone plays a role. Everyone has their own part in the team. And the reality is, it, is you want to be in the lineup. You want to be that starting goal. You want to be on your top four lines, or you want to be in those 60 that are in the plan. I'm just talking hockey, but the reality is, as soon as you come out and say this stuff, we are so, so attached with this stigma that, you know what, if I say I'm depressed, someone else is going to try to take advantage of this, or, well, why are they in the lineup? They're mentally weak or whatever is going on. That's not the case, and I think that's what we're trying to break, and especially with a lot of coaches, and and I've talked about this before, but the older generation of coaches who don't necessarily understand this, it's tough for them to be, you know, I'm on the coaching side of things. So I see all of this and it's like, ah, you know what, she's, he or she is having an off day. Like, no, we can't have them in the lineup. And it's frustrating from my point of view to see that. And I want to inform people and it, it comes from coaches directly to the players and having that communication level. Because I think me as a coach, I want my players to be at their mental peak performance level because I know when mentally they're at the top, they're going to perform. But what am I actually doing to help them? And that's where a lot of coaches... Yeah, but I'll, I'll interrupt you just for a second. And I'm not... And I don't think you're wrong. Everything you've said is completely accurate. But the only thing is, as a coach though, right? Like, their job is to coach a team. Oh yeah, that was the next and point I was making. They're, they're, but they're, they don't even have the training mm-hmm. at this point. You know, and there, there's a lot of coaches out there that are great coaches. And I'm sure at some of the, the big D1 schools and stuff, and I'm sure coaches have to do some continuing education on warning signs, you know, for for mental mental health and mental awareness. Mm-hmm. But as far as I know, and, and if anyone, any one of our listeners disagrees or, or knows anything that we don't know, please let us know because you know, we're both new to this as much as our listeners are to us. But as far as I'm concerned, as I know, there's not programs out there to train coaches on, on how to. So to I will say that to have mental health. at Robert Morris, I know we did have a session at the beginning of the year that coaches would attend, and you would talk about this. Okay, how how long was that session? Not not what it was supposed to be, and I'm not. I. But I'm no no. See, in all seriousness, I it was, again, it was a I'm couple hours long a session. Couple hours long. Was it just coaches or were students? I I was not even there. So this is hearing it from other people. So I don't I don't know the full depth of even what happened, but I know it was a short meeting. I've heard it from other trainers and you know, I don't think it was a session that people were totally engaged in. And it's that's where it kills me and it hurts a lot to see people not care. But that's someone who sees an athlete every single day at their highest and lowest points, and they're not being trained or even directed on ways to notice at least you know and i'm sure like i i i love my college coach you know obviously you know this liam coach belial is one of the most special people in my life yeah and and he did a great job in my opinion on being able to recognize you know moods and guys and 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 gouge situations without any training but i think it's really necessary you know, for coaches who are with athletes on, on a day-to-day basis to be able to recognize some of, you know, these issues and, and not to stigmatize them and, and, and have their athletes know that, listen, if you're going through something that needs attention in your life for your physical and mental well-being, I'm here to help you and I'm here to get you the resources to get better rather than, listen, man, if you're upset today, don't have a bad day because we got to practice and get better. Right. Because I get the, uh, I was competitive as anybody, Liam, and you know that. Oh, like yeah. I wanted to win every game I ever f-ing played in. 
But I'm gonna have to, I I'm also, gonna have to use that little beat button now and go back and fix that. Oh, sorry. But I also knew that if I was having a really, really bad day, you know, I was either not gonna let it get to me when I was on the ice, I was gonna leave it off the ice and deal with it after practice because I you know, in my situation I was a leader and I couldn't necessarily take because of the stigma, really. I couldn't take the opportunity to show my weakness to my teammates. That's how I felt. Yeah. I felt that way. I felt that it's not it's not right for me to show all these guys that I had a bad day or I'm feeling low today. Right. Uh, I need to I need to be mentally strong. And I, I think you that's kind of what I, we are talking about, though. You know, <clears throat> excuse me. How do you place that on the side, and what are our techniques that we can teach people to? You know what? You know what? I'm not having a good day, and that's okay for people to know that. But I still have a job, you know. When you're a college athlete, you have a job, and yes, there's a whole debate. Well, I think that's the most difficult thing we talk about. Yeah, and everyone talks about should college athletes be paid. I totally understand that. That's a whole other discussion. But yeah, let's, leave you, that off let, here. let's just say you're on a full ride scholarship at a two hundred fifty thousand dollars school. You're essentially getting a two hundred fifty thousand dollars education. You're there to play athletics. You have a role. You were brought there to do a role, which is to play. And how can you mentally focus? And I'm not saying that if you're mentally not stable or, or you're weak this day, but that's when we need to be start seeking these tools and everything that's around us and start to prepare yourself so that you can go to the rink, you can go to the field, you can go to the turf, whatever the case is, and you're ready to go. And you can mentally put things other out, put some things out of your mind, and then know that, you know what, I need to maintain this. I need to go back and I need to address this issue. Yeah, I think I think we're touching on something that's – might be beyond the scope of the podcast, but I do think it's worth mentioning. But I think when we get into talking about whether to leave our emotions on or off the playing surface, you know, I think that's one of the biggest issues here. Yeah. Because in my opinion, you should be able to be open with your teammates. Oh, without a doubt. Like without a doubt. I've had guys. I've had guys who have played. You know, as one of the players on teams that I've been a leader on. That have come to me with with really dark things that you know they trusted me with, and I, I would never repeat those things on the air. But um, you know, I really respected guys when they did that because they're showing that they one trust me, and that they have the emotional strength to be able to open up and say, "Hey, listen, I'm struggling with this. I just need you, you know, to know that if I'm a little down on myself today, yeah. this is what's going on." But at the same time, isn't it? you know, more necessary to have someone trusted within athletics. You know, like I was a captain and I completely loved being in that position and having guys, you know, rely on me in those situations. And I think that is part of your job as a leader, right? Like I, I completely do. But I also think there should be someone that they can go to and confidently talk to about these issues as athletes because there is a lot of stress and pressure. Oh yeah, without a doubt. And I don't want what I said to be taken out of context that you, you put it all away. But I mean that you. No, can but, I, but I agree with you. And, and you, you can go to your cap, like be open with your teammates. You know, these are the people, and I, I still, I still think about your senior day. You know, we go around it, and Pete's got his thing that on senior day you all tell your stories, you have your advice to the seniors, and one of the things you guys say is, enjoy the moment because you graduate, and time flies. Your four years or five years, whatever the case is, it blows by. And even now, like I wish I could go back and play one more hockey game. Like I would die to go back and play one game and just be in the locker room and shoot the with the guys. And, you know, those were the best memories. And those, those are the closest guys that you treasure, guys or girls, whatever the case is. And I still tell the girls that play for me now, you know, you guys are going to graduate. And 
you'll look back at these days and be like, you know what? Remember that time? Like, I would talk to these people anything almost. So as soon as it comes to mental health, we start. Well, I think it. I, yeah, and I think, and I think too, like the team environment is the perfect outlet because one, you're given from day one, twenty, you know, I guess depending on the sport, let's say ten to thirty teammates yep. who are ultimately some, if not all of them, are going to end up being your best friends. Yeah, and you know, out of those ten to thirty. Let's say you have one to five that end up being really close friends, lifelong friends, you know, such as Liam and I and many of my other teammates that I play with. Did I just be considered a teammate? No, no, no. A lifelong friend. Oh, Never. I was going to say, teammate. damn. I I can say I play call hockey. Don't pump your own <laughs> tires. Um, I wouldn't make that mistake on the air. But anyways, you, you take these lifelong friends and those are your special support system, right, for four years. And if you do struggle with something, you know, whether it be something more severe or something acute, you're having a terrible day and you feel a little weird or you're feeling off, those are the people you should feel comfortable as student athletes sharing that with. Yeah. And then, you know, I developed some relationships with some of the seniors my junior year in college where if I was struggling with something, whether it was a decision or uh, I had a bad day or I needed some advice on how to handle something or, you know, I really felt like I didn't have control you know, of my own life or something that was going on, I had some people I could go and talk to that they just made me feel better about things. Right. And sometimes that's all you need, right, as, a, as an athlete because you do – I think every athlete intrinsically has a sense of, of doubt in decisions they make or, you know, games they played. Ah, maybe I shouldn't have made that pass or maybe I shouldn't have taken that extra stride or oh, I got that penalty. And being able to go and talk to trusted – you know, trusted um, peers and friends about the feelings that might be bothering you, they're going to help you perform better on the, the next day because you got that off your chest. Right. And I think, I think that's important. Bringing back the, the whole coaching thing, I know that's tough to talk about sometimes. And at the end of the day, your coach's job, and especially at the college and professional level, you're fired if you don't win. So how, and you talk to any college coach and all the whole reason why I love working in college is because you get these athletes in and, for guys obviously a little bit older they play juniors working specifically in hockey and you see the development over four years and I know even thinking of the class that I came in with um, the first year working with the Beacons and those guys to see the development and like you look at guys like Chuck and Gary and I'm not going to name drop everyone because they're going to kill me but um, these guys the development that I've been able to see since I first went there, it's insane. And I'm not saying they were immature guys when they came in, but you get to see these kids. No, that's a, that's a, that class. Well, I'm just going to intervene because that class is probably the most one of the most mature classes. Oh, yeah, they were awesome, in. absolutely fantastic. And I think for them, they don't necessarily see the growth, but from the outside looking in, I mean, these guys have went from boys to young men, and I think they're all going to be successful outside of the game and even in the game for those that decide to go professional after. But Looking at well, the- I think it's a perfect example too in that class is that, and again, like this, it, we're not here to talk about just one class, but it's a good example of a group of guys who came in, seven or eight of them, whatever it was, who really molded together and did form that unity. And they trusted each other so much that they've went through struggle and success all together. Right. So, you know, a group like that, that's what a team should be. Yeah. And, um, you know, for those of you who are listening, if you have those relationships, Rely on them for everything because, you know, 
throughout your career and when you're done with athletics, I mean, I still call some of my best buddies from, from college sports uh, weekly, you know, just to, maybe I had a bad day at work or maybe, you know, it was a long week or something didn't go right. And um, I still call those guys just to get, get something off my chest and be like, Hey man, just want to talk to you, catch up. And instantly when that conversation's over, yeah, I, I remember all the good times we had. I feel, I just feel better. You know, you yeah. just feel better about it. Even when we talk with him, I mean, you know, when you called me, I don't know, what was it? December maybe? Yeah. Something like that. When know. you, when you were going through a little bit of a, a relapse there and I just said, Hey, what, what's your diet like? Are you exercising? And you're like, no, no, uh, my diet's shit. I'm not exercising. I'm like, well, you know, let's get back to the, the drawing board here and start with what we know works. And, um, you know, we had that trust though in each other that you could call me and be like, hey, listen, I'm not having, I'm not in a good place. Right. Let's, let's see what we can do. And I, I think for athletes, they struggle to find that resource if they don't, if they don't have someone like you or, or, or like me or, you know, like some of my buddies that I, I had in college, um, especially freshmen, right? They come in and like, like they have to prove themselves every day. So even more, more of a reason, I think, to give resources right off the bat yeah. when, when people step on campus. And I mean, to, to close the point with your coaches and, and the developmental stage, kind of the, the whole reason why I wanted to work and continue my career on the, on the athletic side of college was the development you get to see from these kids is awesome. You know, I get to go to work every day and be like, I love what I do. I love working in the rink. I love seeing the kids that played for me. And you get inspired by watching these kids grow up. And I want what's best for them. So if they ever come to me like, hey, you know, like I'm not really sure what to do. Yeah, I love giving them advice. I love telling them what I went through. I love giving them anything I possibly can because I want these kids to become successful young men and women. So it's that's where attacking the stigma comes in big. And, you know, a lot of coaches are seeing like, oh, they just want to win or lose. You know, if, if you get stuck with uh, they think I'm mentally messed up or, man, I guarantee you 95% of college coaches and probably coaches at every level, but you want what's best for your kid. Yes, you want to win. Yes, of course. If you don't want to win, I mean, I don't know why you're in college athletics. Don't play. Yeah, exactly. Don't play. But you you want your kids to be successful. And it's not just on the ice or on the field. It's you want them to go when they wake up to the end of the day to feel like they accomplished something. And that's why you push them every day. That's why you want them to be better. And Undoubtedly. Yeah, yeah. undoubtedly so. so and I think that's that's the best part about, about coaches. And like I said, we – both you and I have a great mentor and Coach Belisle at UMass Boston who absolutely was extremely understanding of, of our goals in life and, and uh, any struggles we went through. And I think that is the beauty of college ath- or athletics as a whole, right? You can form these relationships with mentors and coaches. All right, Alves, I think we're going to have to close this one up. We're kind of running a bit over time, so I'm going to go ahead and take the liberty of muting your mic so we can't go too far overboard. Uh, but that wraps up our first episode here with Never Give Up Radio. I hope you guys all really enjoyed what Albie and I are, are starting to discuss and we hope that other people start to discuss and hopefully you guys jump on the wave and ride it with us to crush this stigma of mental health. Um, there is one thing we didn't get to talk to on the agenda today, which was talking about what's coming in the next couple of weeks, who's going to be on the show and we're going to keep some of that a surprise. Uh, we've got a couple of big names we're really excited about, um, but next week I will let it slip that we are talking about kind of the mental side of the game and what's at stake. Um, our special guest is going to be Taylor Crosby. And Albie, I muted your mic solely so you couldn't make fun of me for getting another Canadian onto the show. So we outnumber you two to one next week. Um, but 
super excited to have her on the show. She is a former collegiate athlete. I think she's going to be a little upset uh, with the former in there now, but she just finished up her awesome career at St. Cloud. She started at Northeastern for a year, and then she finished off at St. Cloud. So before that, she was at Shattuck St. Mary's, and I'm not going to give you the whole detail of kind of her story. We'll let that venture into next week, but we hope you guys are able to tune in next week and you really enjoyed the show this week. So be sure to check us out on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And other than that, be sure if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, be sure to reach us on any other social media at NGU Radio. That's NGU Radio. So hope you guys enjoyed and we'll see you all next week.